Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Beyond the Veil. I'm your host, Madison Ford. In today's episode, we talk with Abby about loss, choosing your own reality, and the lessons of grief found in the Potter series. I want to offer a quick trigger warning. We do discuss suicide and death throughout this episode, particularly in the timestamp mentioned below, but it is mentioned throughout the rest of the episode as well, so please take care of yourselves and avoid these topics if needed. All right, everyone, let's dive in. Welcome back to Beyond the Veil, everyone. Today, we have Abby on the show. Abby, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Um, Will you get us started by telling a little bit about yourself to everyone listening? Yeah, so uh, my name's Abby. I'm a content editor for MuggleNet, and um, also I am a freelance content writer. I write articles about everything from marketing to technology to even gaming. Um, In my spare time, I like to um, read, write, draw, spend time with my family. I've got three kids um, and a husband and a dog, and That's pretty much what I love to do. I love that. Writing content of all different kinds. That's, I, I just, I I also write myself. So that just, it sounds like a lot of fun. I know some kinds of writing can be less fun than others, but do you enjoy that writing that you do? Most of it. I mean, I get a lot of things that I really do enjoy writing, especially through research. I've learned about a lot of topics that I would never know about otherwise. Um, Sometimes it can get a little tedious, but Overall, it's really great. That's awesome. Can you share a little bit of Potter-related information about yourself? Yes. Yeah, so I am a Ravenclaw through and through. Uh, my Patronus is a rhinoceros, which was when I first got my Patronus result on the Wizarding World uh, website, I was shocked. And then I read the MuggleNet definition, and it said the rhinoceros is a large thick-skinned mammal known for its horns on its face, although it's mostly a passive creature, the rhino can become extremely aggressive when threatened, charging down its predators on its own or in a herd. The rhino rhino makes a sturdy, formidable patronus, spearing dementors on the tip of its horn or holding its ground to defend the caster. And once I read that, I can say I am proud to have rhinoceros as my patronus. That is so wonderful. Uh, I love the, a few years back, uh, a bunch of us put together this list of definitions for Patronuses because the Pottermore uh, ones didn't have any descriptions to go along. So I'm, I'm glad that you related to that because that was, those were very fun to put together and I felt like they gave a little more uh, meaning to what we saw our results as online. Yeah, I love the whole list. It's um, it's pretty interesting to read all the different Patronuses. Yeah, so my favorite book is um, The Half-Blood Prince. Mm. I, I really enjoyed the twist in that book. Um, and my favorite movie, I don't have a favorite Harry Potter movie because I feel like there's a Harry Potter movie for every mood. Very true. <laughs> That's very true. What would you be in the mood to watch more of today? Like what what is the right mood for your life right now? Which movie would suit that? That's a good question. I guess I'm somewhere between The Sorcerer's Stone and 
the Order of the Phoenix. Oh, okay. I like the, I like looking at the similarities between the tone in those. That's an interesting, uh, interesting combination. I like that. I mean, I have, I have three kids, so I feel like I can, um, you know, I can share more Harry Potter with them with the first two movies, especially Sorcerer's Stone. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really, I guess I'm in the Order of the Phoenix kind of mood. Totally understood. It's a uh, it's a very captivating part of the series. The it's it's just so mysterious and scary and strange. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like Molly Weasley gets to shine a little bit in there. Oh yes, definitely. That's one of her. We get to see so much of her in that book. Yeah, we really do. So I'm curious to know what was the first time that you came across the Harry Potter series. So the first time that I even heard of Harry Potter was in the fourth grade and there was a boy in my class who was reading it. And I was just like, what, you know, like, where's the fun in reading? Why would you be reading? And he's like, oh, it's great. And then it was like a year later. And when I was in fifth grade that I read the first book and immediately read the second book and I was hooked. Like (laughs) they really are great. (laughs) Yes. That's I I love, I love that. And being so immersed in Harry Potter in those early, you know, fifth, sixth grade, that's not very old. I, what was it like being immersed in Potter at that time in your life? Well, I was a bit of a weird kid. I mean, I did a lot of cosplay with my close friends. You know, we would go around and wear robes and make wands. And um, around the time of the sixth and seventh grade, the uh, Harry Potter companion books with like the Fantastic Beast and the Quidditch of the Ages. I remember reading those, like pretending that I was a part of Hogwarts, you know, um, and like those were my classes. I just really, every moment that I had was related to Harry Potter. Um, any extra minute that I had when schoolwork was done, it was all about Harry Potter. It was a very good part of my childhood. I love that. And I definitely relate to that feeling of every spare moment is related to Harry Potter. So as that was going on, um, you mentioned that uh, when we were talking about your story before recording, that you lived with your father and your grandmother and away from your mother. I'm curious to know, can you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you? Yeah, um, I went to live with my dad and my grandma just before I turned nine. And I remember at first I was very scared and it was overwhelming. I I had grew up up north and um, I went down to Florida, several states away to live with my, my dad. So it was a whole new area. Um, and at first I really, I didn't see the big picture because I was a child and I didn't understand why it was happening. Um, but my dad and my grandma had such a positive impact on my life and they both worked really hard to, to give me the best that they could. I'm very appreciative for them. That must've been really difficult being so young and having your world, you know, moving to a different part of the country. That's, that's difficult for a young kid. Yeah. And it was my first time being away from my mom. Um, Mm -hmm. so it was, it was definitely life-changing. Yeah. And you mentioned that in this kind of 
feels kind of related to Harry's longing for his own parents. And I'm curious how you relate to that feeling that he has. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, Harry was about 11. He was 11 when he saw his parents in the mirror of Erised. And I could relate to Harry's looking in the mirror and longing for his parents. Um, at the same token, um, it was different because I did have my dad and my grandma. But I could understand where he was coming from on feeling like something was missing. Mm. And uh, Dumbledore had some great advice on don't look in the mirror too long. I guess, how did that quote, how do you feel like that quote, that advice helped you? I think that was Dumbledore's way of showing Harry to try to look at the bigger picture. Like you can't change it, make the best of it. Mm -hmm. And um, that's exactly what I had to do as a child. And it really was, um, everything worked out good. Well, that's good. I'm glad I'm... I think a lot of times it's really easy for those things to not work out well. And, you know, even though it's never ideal to have that kind of situation, I'm glad you've come out of it feeling being able to have any kind of positive thought about it. Thank you. <laughs> so you're growing up, you're reading Harry Potter, you're experiencing all that's going on with your family life. And um, eventually Goblet of Fire comes out. And I, I thought it was when I was reading what you wrote to me, I, I was struck by how clearly you remembered you were reading the Quidditch World Cup chapter in Goblet of Fire um, when your father got a phone call about your uncle. And um, can you tell us a little bit about that day? Yeah, um, the day was very tragic. Uh, you know, it had mm -hmm. started off such a good day. My, my dad had recently... Um, got his first house like the week or so prior and he had bought a bed. He was so excited. And I was reading the Goblet of Fire for the first time and I was thrilled. And I was reading the chapter about the Quidditch World Cup and it was just before the scene where the Death Eaters come. And my dad got a phone call. It was like 9 p.m. at night. And um, my family in Ohio has said that he needed to come immediately because my uncle was um, on life support. He had attempted suicide. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, um, it's always stuck with me exactly where I was when I slapped that book shut and we loaded up and we headed north. I'm just so sorry that you experienced that. That's, um, I can feel, you know, how much that must have just rocked your world at that moment. And you mentioned that you'd had other members of your family pass away, um, but your uncle's death really affected you. And I wonder what you were going through, you know, mentally and emotionally after he passed. Yeah, um, I have lost a total of three uncles, um, one uncle prior to this uncle's passing and then one uncle after. And I've lost I have since lost my grandma as well which has definitely been the hardest to deal with. But my uncle's death really affected me because I was 13. And I feel like that's a really like, it's a really sensitive age. Cause like you're really starting to form your memories. You've got a pretty good awareness of what's going on. And although I had had another uncle pass several years prior, I didn't really remember him and I didn't remember much about it. Uh, this uncle, 
I had so many memories with him and with his kids and, and it was also my, so it was my first experience with a death that I could clearly remember. And it was my first experience, um, with, with any type of suicide. And it really brought suicide and depression to the forefront of my thoughts. Like, I, you know, it became from something that I heard of that could happen to something that, you know, really does happen. Mm. And also my, my dad had been, he was close with all of his brothers and this was the second brother he lost. And I watched him really struggle with coping with that. It was hard to see. And my grandma, she was grieving the death of her second son. You know, this was her youngest son, but it was the second death. And, um, it was really challenging to watch my cousins grieve for their dad and my my dad grieve for his brother and my grandma grieve for her son, the, her son. I just, I felt really sad for everybody. That's a, that's a lot to deal with. Um, I'm curious what, what your relationship was like with this uncle. Um, I mean, it was a good relationship. I wasn't close with him, but I have. I was very close with his cousin, with my cousins in particular. Um, he had one daughter who I was very close with growing up. And, you know, when we lived up north, we used to go camping and to the parks a lot with them. Um, so I always had good memories with him. And mm -hmm. then when we moved down to Florida, you know, they would come down on vacation with us. It was just all really positive. I can see how those things might add up because you you've already kind of talked about it, but it seems like, you know, having a, a decent relationship with this person and then the timing of this and it bringing suicide kind of into the, into a different reality than you had ever experienced it. Do you think that is, I know you've kind of touched on this already, but do you think that combination of things is um, kind of why this affected you so strongly? Yeah. I, it's, you know, death is a hard subject. And I, and I think that, um, suicide can be very misunderstood by so many people. Mm -hmm. And I think because I, the way I experienced it and living with my dad and my grandma who were going through a whole different process than I was, I feel like it really made me aware that everybody is in a different type of struggle. And, um, it made me more careful, I guess, of people's emotions. I guess it's not so much a question, but sort of just wanting to, you know, really thank you, I guess, for sharing this, because I know this is a really, really tough subject for people to talk about. And I guess I just, I feel, I, I want to make sure you know, you know, that uh, it's so important that we share these kinds of stories so that others feel less alone. And I'm really grateful that you are, you know, able to share this with other people. And, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm really grateful that you are here and being vulnerable and sharing this. Um, I know it's not easy. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so after this part of your life, um, I guess I'm curious to know after he passed away, what was, uh, how your life changed and what it was like in the aftermath of this event? Yeah. 
um, unfortunately, it did have an impact on my relationship with my cousins. And I had all, like I mentioned before, I was very close with my, with his daughter, my, my cousin on from his, from his kids. And after he passed, um, communication became much less so. And, you know, we really drifted apart, not just with, um, my female cousin, but with all of my cousins who were his children, and there were four of them. And I just feel like I, I lost the friendships and the, and the relationship that we had. And it, it happened slowly, but um, it definitely changed things. In this change, this might be, this might be a little bit of an obvious question, but what was that I guess, what was the feeling of that as you're kind of growing more distant from your family? I guess confusion, because I really didn't understand. Mm-hmm. I really didn't understand um, why the death of an adult would af- af- impact a child's relationship with other family members. And now that I'm an adult, I understand that, you know, if the adults aren't close, the children won't be together as often. Mm-hmm. And we were we were together as much as we were because my dad and his brother were so close. Uh, but as a child, I didn't understand that. And so I just really kind of felt confused and shocked. Yeah, that the world of adult relationships is very confusing as a child. And I'm, I'm glad you have the perspective now. I feel like it's always nice to be able to look back with more clear vision, but uh, in the moment, I can imagine that was very kind of disorienting as a child. Yeah, definitely. During this time in your life, you were reading Goblet of Fire, and Goblet of Fire is the first book where we see death up close and personal. And I imagine that um, reading this book at this time was a a little bit significant. And I wonder how reading this particular Potter book at this time affected you. Yeah. So the Goblet of Fire actually, I mean, obviously it really stands out to me because this is when, when my uncle passed, but also it was, it really helped me get through it or to understand it a little bit because like Harry, I had experienced death before, but I didn't remember it clearly. And Harry, although he was affected very dramatically from the death of his parents, he didn't remember it. He never knew anything else before the death of his parents. Mm -hmm. And his first dose of the reality of death up close and personal was with Cedric Diggory. And um, when Cedric died, it created a divide between Harry and many of his classmates and even with, you know, the ministry just it began to, you saw all those relationships begin to shift. And I felt like that's what was happening in my life. Uh, You know, my uncle passed away and then my relationship with my cousins was changing and my, my understanding of death was changing. And there was definitely a lot of overlap. Mm. The idea that when you become old enough to see a sort of structural shift in you know, a different, the different systems around you, you know, maybe at your family or in Harry's case, you know, the wizarding world itself, that's 
um, seeing the breadth of effect the a death can have, that's, it, I, I can only imagine what it was like to see the reflection, especially as you moved through Order of the Phoenix uh, in your own life and what Harry was experiencing. Yeah, um, you know, it's, each book has something to offer. I feel like the books can help us go through so much. Life's toughest times, and there is something in Potter that can help us get through. Absolutely. I'm curious to know, as you were reading through, you know, Order of the Phoenix and Half-Blood Prince, we'll talk about Deathly Hallows a little bit more, but if there was, if there's anything you can remember that did help uplift you a little bit. Molly Weasley. Mm -hmm. I felt like Molly Weasley in Order of the Phoenix, she really did uplift me because in a lot of ways, she reminded me of my grandma. You know, she was poor and had all these kids and she was just loving them as much as possible. And she was always looking, Molly Weasley was always looking out for Harry, even though she didn't have to. Yeah. He was not her child. And my grandma did that exact same thing for my brother, my sister and I. She didn't have to take care of us, but she did. And I've always admired my Molly Weasley and I've always admired my grandma. And I feel like that's why, that's why I love Molly Weasley so much, especially in um, the order of the Phoenix. It was so nice to see Harry have somebody who cared for him who didn't have to, you know, like you said, she didn't have any kind of connection to him the way that Sirius did or the kind of responsibility that Dumbledore had to Harry. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that you were able to, uh, you know, feel some of that Weasley warmth and love reading Order of the Phoenix. I think we all need a little bit of that in our lives. <laughs> yes, we all need a Molly Weasley. Yes. You know, experiencing your uncle's death, I wonder if you have any thoughts about how that has affected your experience of the Potter books. And I ask because I've, you know, I've been through my own really difficult personal moments while reading the books. You know, you can remember this is what I was doing. This is what I was reading while this was happening in my life. And I know for me that that has stayed with me, I guess, through my experience of Potter. And I'm curious to know if, if you feel the same way. You mean like it'll jog your memory of what was going on the first yeah. time you were reading it? Yeah, absolutely. I have, um, very, there's a there's a few scenes throughout the series where I'm like, if I am rereading it, I could remember exactly what, what was going on in the real world the first time I was reading it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a scent, you know, you can smell something and you can remember it 15 years ago because it reminds you of it. That's such a great metaphor. It, it smells a certain way and it really... Um... Um, makes that, I don't know, it, it makes that picture really vivid of reliving um, these scenes, especially when you have such a specific anchor to tie it to from your own life. Yeah. And I, I guess when it's positive, you want to reread it, you want to experience it. But um, I'm going to be quite honest. A lot of the times when I reread Goblet of Fire, there are times when I will kind of skip over that part. Mm -hmm. um, because it was a really tough time. 
And I have reread the chapter since then. I've reread all the books, but, um, you know, when you're going through a harder time, you don't always want to jog those memories. No, not at all. That's, I, I relate to that completely. Um, there are, and the scenes in the Potter books are so visceral without having that, you know, kind of direct connection. Um, so I think it makes total sense that um, it's nothing to feel weird about. You know, it, it's such a, the Potter books are so effective uh, for everybody and um, having that connection. I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't have any words except I, I totally understand. And I think your experience is very normal considering what you went through. Thank you. That's good to hear. It's normal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, but there's that, like, what is, what even is normal? But I, I think that's a, um, it's the reaction that I've had myself and, um, there's in some ways no wrong way to go back and read the Potter books because they're there for us to be whatever we need them to be. And they're honestly a different story every time. I feel like we as people are constantly changing and every time you go through a reread, you've got a new perspective and you catch something you didn't before, or you understand something that you didn't quite clearly understand the first time. Absolutely. That's, that's so very true that, um, they're never, they're never the same books that you come back to. They are in some ways, but they are so dramatically different in others. So later on in life, um, you were in a time where you were kind of feeling very alone and depressed. And you mentioned that you had a childhood friend who at this point was kind of starting to shut you out of her life. Um, and I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit about what you were going through at that time. Yeah. So I, I had been best friends with the same girl since, um, since I moved to Florida. And so since I was nine and when I was about 15 or 16, you know, we started to drift away. Um, I was still very much imaginative and all things Harry Potter. And she was starting to move on and kind of distance herself um, and at the time I didn't understand why, and I took it very personally, like she didn't like me and, um, you know, it was dark times, dark times. And, um, I just didn't really understand what I had did wrong. Um, and I, I absolutely love her. We are still friends to this day, but it has never been the same. Um, you know, friendships change and evolve. And as each child is growing up, you know, you become your own person with your own interest. And, um, you know, our interest had went their separate ways. And um, it was a hard thing for me to, to grasp. Mm -hmm. well, that's a friend that you have from such a young age, you know, that's, that's rough. And I know, though, um, at this time, maybe a little bit after uh, Deathly Hallows came out and you mentioned that the scene with Harry and Dumbledore really helped you, um, which, and that's the, is that the King's Cross scene? Yeah. So that, yeah. So that Deathly Hallows came out at a, 
very trying time in my life. So I was a young adult, you know, out on the world for my on my own for the first time. And I experienced my first major failure as an adult. Like I had set my mind on something and I had just screwed it up a thousand percent. And I was, I was so depressed and, um, and I, and then, and it, I got Deathly Hallows the moment it came out and I laid on my cousin's couch, a different cousin. And I read this book for like, 32 hours. I did not sleep until I finished this book. <laughs> and, and I was like, man, like the life, life is just getting darker and darker with every page turn, you know? And then I finally get to this scene with Harry and Dumbledore at King's Cross station. And it was like an aha moment because Dumbledore is like, well, of course it's all happening in your head, Harry, but that doesn't make it any less real. And I'm like, that's so true because we're all experiencing everything different. Like, just because we're experiencing it different from somebody else doesn't make it any less real. We're all valid. And it really helped shift me into a, a good light. And I, I, I feel like I left that book a little bit better than I started it. I love how you describe the impact that quote has. I've, I've heard it a lot of times used to like, people will talk about, you know, how they felt really validated in um, being a big Potter fan, you know, that this kind of, if they've been using Potter as a coping mechanism, this made them feel very validated in that. But I, I love that this, uh, I love, I love the idea that it applies to your own unique experience of the world doesn't have to be the same as another person's. I feel like I've never heard it in that context. And I really like that. Thank you. I appreciate that. How did this uh, how did this help shift you to a more positive place? Well, I guess I guess it's like you said, it's all in the interpretation of the quote. And when I read it, it really resonated with me as as Dumbledore giving Harry an ultimatum sort of of like, uh, you know, you kind of choose your own reality so you can you know, you can choose to focus on the negative or you can choose to focus on the positive. And, you know, Harry wasn't really there with Dumbledore. He wasn't really experiencing that joy of that conversation and getting those answers. But the fact that he was able to to go to that place in his mind and feel like he got those answers or feel like he got some sort of peace with Dumbledore, that was enough for him. And I feel like there's a part of us where we all have to just be able to find peace within ourselves, whether we really get that peace or not. We have to just come to terms with, with things on our own. Thank you for that. That is, that is lovely. And I'm so happy that you, that you ran into this, this scene and that it, um, like you said, having that aha moment that I'm, I'm just, I'm, glad you had that experience and obviously one scene can't make us you know uh, can't undo all of the negative experiences we've had or cure any mental health issues we have but I'm curious since Deathly Hallows came out um, has that sort of mindset shift choosing your own reality has that kind of idea been able to stick with you through your life absolutely I I feel like, you know, 
if I look back on my life as a whole and I just look at it, at every little detail, I could easily become a very depressed person. I mean, but I feel like everybody could. Everybody's life has had those moments, you know, maybe some of us more than others. And but everybody has had tough times and like you can either focus on them and let your life go down that path or you can choose to learn from it and um, learn from it and, uh, and apply the what you've learned to the rest of your life. And I feel like Carrie went through some really hard times, some of the worst things you could go through, especially as a teenager. And, um, you know, he still chose to, to do what was good to help others, you know. And I've always just tried to to apply that. Like, everybody's going through something, and um, we're always learning. And the, the books, just especially Deathly Hollows, it really just made me appreciate life. Thank goodness for Harry Potter, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Huge, huge fan. <laughs> now, we kind of talked about earlier, but... Um you mentioned that you are a writer and I know many people who read the Harry Potter books become inspired to start writing uh, words of their own, be them stories or, you know, whatever is uh, coming to mind. And I would love to know what about the Potter books kind of inspired you to become a writer. You know, it's interesting because before I read Harry Potter, I was actually a struggling reader. I didn't even like to read, let alone write. And then I read the books and it was like something clicked. And I was like, wow, books are amazing <laughs> and you can go anywhere right here. And um, so I started reading just everything. And I feel like it just sparked such a huge imagination that um, it's almost like an insatiable a craving for more imagination. And, um, and now as an adult, I do a lot of writing that's not creative because, you know, that's my job. But I also, in my free time, I am working on a science fiction, um, anthology of short stories. And it's just because that, that imagination, it's got to have an outlet and writing is the perfect way to put things down on paper in your own perspective, or just like, you know, you might have an idea that you think, well, somebody else might enjoy this. Let's just put it down on paper. Or, or you just, you know, the story is in you and you just have to say it. So <laughs> Potter just definitely inspired me to be a writer in, in many forms, like a fiction writer, nonfiction writer. I just have to do it. I love that. Uh, I think we need people telling their stories and speaking their truths and words, whatever that means. And I'm, I'm really glad that Potter has been there. And I've noticed as we've been talking how much like your, your voice lights up so much when you're talking about Potter, like I can feel the joy <laughs> coming off of you and it's not on our list, but I guess I would, if you want to talk about it, I would love to know what, your relationship with the Potter series is right now in your life. Yeah. Um, Harry Potter is very much still a large part of my life, even as an adult. Uh, you know, I've, like I said, I've reread all the books. I watched the movies. I watched the movies with my kids. Now they're kind of young, so I can't watch all of the movies with them, but I'm constantly 
sharing Potter with them. And, you know, I went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter when it, the, when it first opened up um, years ago in Universal. And for me, I guess Harry Potter is just a little break from reality, from the monotony of life. You know, when I watch it, I just, I'm just, I'm, you know, Hogwarts is home. I just feel like I'm right at home. It's like walking through the front door every time. Yeah. And it, that feeling never goes away for me. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that it's an experience I know well, and I'm really glad that you found the Potter books and are able to have that little escape and spark of joy. That's um, that brings so many of us together, especially in the fandom world. And so I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're a part of this wonderful magical world. With the yes, the Potter community is unlike any other fandom like we are truly special i feel like everybody in the potter community just has so much love abby as we come to the end of our time here i want to know if you have any final words of wisdom advice or if there's anything else that you want to share with us i guess my walk away wisdom would be as dumbledore said best Happiness can be found at the darkest of times if you only remember to turn on the light. Amen to that. <laughs> well, Abby, it has been wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing all of these stories. And um, I think what you've shared is going to, you know, help some people feel a little bit less alone in the world. And yeah, just thank you for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Madison. It's been wonderful being on your show. Thank you for listening to my interview with Abby. Abby, thank you for sharing your story with us. Join me next week for another conversation in the headmaster's office. Take care. Take care.